What's up, podcast? This is Mashalava, and you're listening to the Road to Freedom Pod. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mashalava, and it is Thursday, and it is the probably the third day in our massive week of sneakers. And so, it was the day of the Off White Jordan Fives, and let me tell you, these were one of the best shoes that I have seen Off White put out this year. I think they were one of the cleanest shoes. They I mean, they really haven't put out a ton of fire. I mean, I'm going to be honest. It hasn't really been that that good of a year for them, in my opinion. I don't think that their collabs with Nike have really stood out that much to me. What do we have? We have the Jordan Off-White 5, um, like the black colorway. I don't remember what the exact name for those was. Uh, I think I want to say they were like the Muslins, uh, but I'm not sure. M-U-S-L-I-N, something like that. I think that was the name for them. And then we had the Dunks, which... Those were all right. The rubber dunks, there wasn't really anything that spectacular about those. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I forgot. The Jordan 4 Off-Whites, those were beautiful. So they they have they have redeemed themselves, okay? For each bad release that they've done, they've redeemed themselves with a good one. So um, the Jordan 4 Off-Whites came out, and then the Jordan 5 uh, Off-Whites released in a cream colorway today. So that was another really, really good-looking shoe that they've done. I, I'm not a big big fan of Jordan 5s. I like them, but I don't think that they would look good on me. And so it's odd because it's not like a shoe that I would ever wear. Um, it just look, it would look huge and bulky on me. And it's not really just like my kind of thing, but um, they did look really nice. I did like these ones. Um, there are a few Jordan 5s that I do like, but I just, I couldn't see myself wearing them. But these were really nice. I, I really, really think that they did a good job with these. Uh, pretty neutral colorway and you'll see that a lot a lot of these really neutral colorways are doing really well right now it just seems to be the thing to do Um, not really too flashy nothing really crazy about them and they look good they look really really good so it's something that I've been enjoying a little bit they released today and there were some earlier releases and stuff they did some early access earlier in the week and I didn't get access to any of that. So I was basically relying on a sneakers release or trying to get one from one of the other stores that was releasing them. And stock numbers for these were super low. Compared to what you would imagine from a regular sneaker release, they were super low. So the chances of hitting on them were super, super slim. And that for me, I just, I hate when that happens because I really like to hit. It makes me really happy, especially like when I hit on a hype sneaker. Um, and I just hit on the Jordan four unions a couple weeks back so it's kind of a bummer the not hit today as things went but yeah it was it was an interesting release so they released as a normal release which I was kind of surprised that they did Leo I was thinking they'd do like a first come first serve or not first come first serve I was thinking they would do a draw because they usually do drawings for these they didn't though so it was nice I, I like that a lot more I think that it caters towards the everyday person rather than bots and and things that have a lot more time to enter um and so uh, raffles i i'm just not a big fan of like the drawing format of sneakers whenever they give you like 10 minutes because there's so many people that can enter makes it a lot harder to get the shoes and that makes it a lot more difficult for uh people to get them because there's so many bot entries as well um it takes bots a little while to enter on sneakers a lot of people have a misconception and think that whenever the sneakers sell out it's because bots are buying them that's not really the case Nike's really good at figuring out which ones are bots and which ones aren't just based on the activity on the account. Um, And so it's something where it's very easy for them to tell. So you're probably not losing to bots. You're probably losing to some other person that's trying to buy the shoes because it's so competitive. 
Uh, so, you know, it's just like entering a, a giant uh, nationwide raffle, if you will. So that's what it's like. And there's a lot of people going after these. There's a lot less stock than there are people that are attacking uh, the sneakers app to get the shoes. So it is not very, it's not very, you know, weird to, or it's not out of the ordinary, I guess, to not hit. So the, they released today. I entered on a few devices. I've been having a lot of trouble on PC. I don't know if you guys enter on the desktop or not, but it's been just, just been giving me issues left and right, giving me problems with checkouts, giving me problems with uh, the cards that I'm using. Just It's been a huge problem for me, which I think is part of the issue as to why I can't enter and so um, or, or hit nearly as much. That's part of it. The other thing is I think I've just been a little bit lackadaisical with it. I haven't been paying attention to the sizes I want to attack and stuff. And so it's just been a, col- a, col- uh, it's been a combination of kind of all those things coming together and really trying to you know, trying to work on those things and get a better idea of what I want to pick up and stuff. That should be a major help to me in the future. So that's something that happened today. It was a a random kind of release. It didn't really come up until last week, but they just decided they were going to release the Off-Whites this week. So they added to the week of amazing sneaker releases that we've had. And it's been really good. I, I can't complain too bad. I mean, I haven't really hit on any of them, but I do love big sneaker weeks. It, it was a very, very good day for, uh, you know, just having an off-white release. I like having those, but like just a huge week for sneakers. So I can't, I can't really stress that enough. But, um, you know, looking ahead, we have tomorrow, we have the uh, Nike Dunk Slam Jam collabs. And those are a really nice looking dunk. I think they look pretty good. They are kind of like a black shoe with little bit of white on it and then the sole is like an ice sole so it looks really nice they did a good job with those and i think that there is a pair of mids releasing tomorrow for uh senko de mayo so those are really nice too i'm i'm liking those a lot i'm thinking there should be a little bit of resale on those as well so i'm going to be trying to get a pair of those off of like foot locker or somewhere when they release and see if i can get a pair and flip them so we'll see how that goes but uh, it's amazing. Mids and lows. Mids and lows have been doing really well this year, and a lot of people never really bought mids and lows because they were just they're kind of junk, right? I mean, they're not junk, but they looked they just weren't they weren't it. the The shoe to buy was the Jordan One High, and with there being so much competition for these Jordan One Highs right now, people are starting to move into mids and Jordan Lows. And I don't know if this has been Nike's whole hope altogether just to get all of their shoes to have a lot of hype, but they've done an excellent job with what they're doing right now. I mean, trying to get a lot of buzz around their other Jordan silhouettes has been something that I think they've been trying to do for a while now, and this year they finally have it. They they finally have some sort of buzz around these other sneakers because the sneaker community as a whole has just grown significantly this year with so many people pursuing sneakers as a way to make extra income uh you know it's grown so much and the competition has risen so much that it's a lot harder bots are a lot harder to use and well maybe not a lot harder to use but it's a lot harder to hit this year than it has been in years past from what i've been able to gather i'm relatively new to it so i don't really know what it was like in years past but i'm listening to a lot of podcasts of people that run bots and stuff and they're like yeah if you had a bot back in like 2017 you're basically hitting every time you ran which is crazy because you're not doing that now i mean there's you take so many l's with a bot take so many L's with manual it's just you're taking a lot of L's here so it sometimes gets to you a little bit but it is what it is and with some of these sneaker releases coming out um, you end up 
finding yourself in a position where getting a hit is a lot more rare than you would think, but having all these sorts of tools at your disposal is a, a huge help. So, um, you know, that's that's something that I've been thinking about a little bit is just where, where I want to go with this and what I want to end up doing with it. Regardless, though, Nike has brought back a lot of hype with their low and their mid Jordans, which is nice because there's more shoes to profit off of with there being less, uh, with there being a heightened demand for Jordans and there being still either the same amount of Jordan one highs or even the lower amount of them being produced, uh, which I don't think that that's the case. I think there's probably maybe a little bit more being produced, but not enough to meet the demand. There is now a heightened demand for Jordan one mids and Jordan one lows. And I really couldn't see myself wearing a pair of mids just because they're mids. I don't like mids. Lows, some of the lows look good, and you see the better colorways doing really well. You see the University Red colorway just absolutely smashing with resale value right now if you get it in the right sizes. You see the UNC colorway in the women's shoe, in the women's short and one low, absolutely crushing with resale value. And then you see some of these other low-key colorways that are just really, really basic colorways starting to creep up there in value, and there's people that have just been investing in these for so long. So... That's something that I've been enjoying a little bit is just watching that and learning a little bit more about it and trying to gauge what shoes to go after next, either as investments or as uh, just shoes to make a quick buck off of. So we'll see. But um, I've I've been doing shoes for a while, and it's something where I started with Ross. I started with Marshalls. I've been doing those for a while. I've, I've known about Ross slips since I was in like high school. So every time I went to Ross, which was not that often, but often enough, I would stop in there. I would look for something to flip. I wouldn't find things that often. I didn't really know exactly how to look up the shoes. And I think once I got into college, I learned a little bit more about the model number and stuff. And I just wish that I'd kind of attacked that more as a high schooler because it would have been huge to know all that kind of stuff. And then going to college, knowing that, searching through Ross's, searching through the Nike outlets, finding somebody that does sneakers, and then hopefully getting into like the sneaker community earlier. That would have been nice, but it is what it is. I'm happy for the path that I took because it helped me to kind of become uh, the reseller that I am. But I've known about Ross for a while, and I have sold a lot of shoes from Ross, and every time I sell a pair of shoes from Ross, you sell them, and then you have to scrub the price off the bottom of the shoe, and you cut the tag off. That's just standard. You don't want the person, one, I don't want the person to get a shoe with Sharpie or pen on the bottom of it. I think it looks dumb. Like, I don't know why they write it on the bottom of the shoe. Uh, It just kind of aggravates me, but I get it. They probably write it on there so that the person making the tags up can tag it properly, but either way... They um they put them on the bottom of the shoe, and I try and scrub them off the best I can. I usually get the price tag uh, or the price on the bottom of the shoe off completely. I just use some, like, regular dish soap and some rubbing alcohol, and I'll end up using a combination of those, maybe some steel wool or, like, a soft brush, a soft bristle brush, and I'll just rub that on the bottom of the shoe till it comes off. So that's usually a good way to get the marking off the bottom of the shoe whenever they put, like, the in silver sharpie they put the price on it or they put it in blue pen and stuff that's usually a good way to get it off but i also cut off the tag because you don't want that ross tag even though it shows that it's new you don't want the ross tag on there you don't want people knowing what you paid for the item and i think that's a huge thing to remember because if you're starting to do ross and marshall slips people will not be happy if they find out you profited on the shoe and i've seen this happen on instagram before a lot of people and every time i see it i 
I almost shake my head and I'm just like, why did you do that? And it's not, it's not like, I, I don't know. I just always thought like, okay, you got to know better than that. You got to know that the person is going to be pissed off about you not taking the price tag off. Like, why wouldn't they be? They, they want, you, they want to be able to get the best deal and they see you making a profit. That's just people that don't understand capitalism. They get upset about that. So, um, I expected that from most people. And so I always take the tag off, right? That's just what I do. Same thing with Marshall, same thing with, um, Burlington and all those stores. Well, I've done that every pair of shoes that I've ever sold until Saturday when I sold a pair of cleats from Marshalls. And I don't sell cleats from Marshalls that often. I don't sell shoes from Marshalls that often. I'm more of a Ross seller. So I see the shoes, I see the tag on them, and I don't really have to do anything. Like I know that it's there. I just cut it off and I keep it moving. Well, with Marshalls, I got new in box cleats. So I just took the box because I sell a lot of box shoes from places that don't put a secondary price tag on the box because they're new and I pay retail for them because I'm trying to flip them for more than retail. But at Marshall's, they'll charge you 20 bucks for a pair of cleats that may retail for $100 on Nike.com. So I did not check into the box. I just did what I normally do when I have a pair of box shoes. Grab a box, put a priority box cut up, not like a flat rate box, but a uh, one of the like 1092s. That's a very good box for shoes. And then that's a 1095 is a really good box for like bigger men's shoes. So I took a 1092, I cut it up, fit it to the box and sent it up to New York where the guy was from. Well, this dude, he apparently opened the box up and saw that there is a Marshalls tag for $20. And I got this like irate message. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw me post about it last night. Um, this dude was really, really upset. He was like, hey, I can't believe you would profit on these shoes. You charged me $65 for a pair of $20 shoes. I want my money back. I want a refund. And it kind of caught me off guard because one, I never leave the tag on it. And I was in a rush, which is my fault. I should have just been more, I didn't need to ship them out on Saturday. I just wanted to, to make the buyer happy, which, you know, he doesn't realize that that would be something that most buyers don't really take into account. But, um, you know, he was really, really upset about this. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know what this guy is upset about. He's not going to buy these cleats anywhere for under $90. They weren't premier Nike cleats. They're just a pair of academies that I bought literally, I think last week, but I, I bought them and they, I looked them up. They aren't available on Nike.com anymore. And the sites they are available on like brand new retail, like legitimate sites, they're $90, $100 cleats. So I don't understand what this guy's upset about because it's, I'm selling a $65 cleat and he's getting, I'm selling a hundred dollar cleat for $65. He got $35 off. And now he's all pissed off because he sees that I bought him at Marshall's and he's like, I want a refund. So, you know, to me, smart people don't do kinds of those sorts of things when, whenever they, whenever they see that they paid more than somebody else paid, they take into account how much they would pay on another site. This guy was not one of those people. So he, he wanted a refund. So I, I messaged him back. I said, Hey, look, um, and this is something that I do a lot. Whenever I see somebody's upset, the first thing I, the, the most important thing when somebody's upset with you on eBay is that you do not want a negative feedback. That is really the most important thing because if you get a negative feedback, I have seen personally with my account a huge dip in sales when I get them. It's, it's, it's actually incredible when I get a negative feedback removed within usually 10 minutes to a half hour, I have a sale. It's very bizarre. I don't know why it happens, but I've had two negative feedbacks and both times they've gotten removed and I've gotten back to 100%. I've had a sale within, like I said, 
10 minutes, I think was the first time, then within a half hour the second time. So it could just be coincidence, but as, as the negative feedbacks have come in before, maybe I've had three, but every time I've had one removed, um, and they were for silly things, you know, I didn't end up contacting a buyer about something afterwards and you know somebody tried to reach out to me about something that I thought they were trying to scam me with like stupid things um and I didn't get back to them those sorts of things every time I get one of those removed a sale comes in relatively quick afterwards so I'm a big believer in negative feedbacks really kill your sales metrics it makes sense I mean eBay would want to cater towards the 100% feedback sellers there's plenty of them with a thousand two thousand three thousand feedback that have a hundred percent feedback so a hundred percent positive feedback I should say so for us to have 100 200 300 feedback and not have that 100% positive feedback eBay would almost look at that and go why would we cater to you when we have these people that have you know so 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 many more feedback than you 10x 100x the feedback you have um, why would we not cater to them first because they are all positive and you don't even have nearly the amount of feedback they have and you have a negative so it makes sense to me I understand why they do it I don't think that it's right but I do get the way that they think about it and so for me I, I want to avoid those at all costs I want to keep my sales going um, even though they've been slow this month even though this is my worth worst month since March by a stretch I mean, by a long, long stretch, this is my worst month since March. I do not want a negative feedback in Q4. You just do not want that. I got one last year. It really screwed me over for a week, and I didn't want to deal with it. So, um, you know, I messaged him back, and I apologized. I said, hey, look, I'm really sorry. I do not want to make you feel like you're being scammed or anything like that. I'm, I, I, you know, I do not, I want to make sure that I have a positive transaction with each buyer that I come across. I pride myself on buyer satisfaction. And if you don't feel comfortable making this purchase, please send me a return. That's, that's what I want for you. I don't want it for me, but if you want to do that, go for it. Um, I said, I'm just a regular guy that graduated college a year ago. I use this money to uh, I started selling shoes as a small way to contribute to my college loans, and it's been um, an amazing thing for me so far. But like I said, customer satisfaction is number one for me, not money. So if you want to make a return, go for it. And I wanted to see what he'd say. Um, you know, I, I've never really taken time. I take time to respond to buyers whenever it's important like that because I don't want a negative feedback. But I've never taken time like that to respond to a negative buyer um, with something silly like that. Like with them freaking out, I would have just normally been like, please send a return or whatever. Um, but I wanted to see how it worked. And now I have a message typed up that if I ever want to use it again, I can. And so I was like, okay, I kill, I kill two birds with one stone. If I get a PO'd buyer ever again, I have a, you know, a longer message typed up and I get to run an experiment and see how this works. So, you know, he was pretty upset and, you know, he kind of went off in this message to me. And this morning I got a, a response from him and I was hoping he would like say, Hey, you know what? It's fine. Like I don't actually want to return it. I was just kind of mad. He responded, he said, hey, I'm sorry, which I didn't expect that at all. Um, he apologized and then he said, I respect your hustle. Unfortunately, I still don't feel comfortable with the transaction. Which like makes me shake my head. I, I think the guy's an idiot. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm not somebody to like be really rude to buyers, but it doesn't make any sense why you'd be uncomfortable with a transaction where somebody paid more than you paid for something. Like, it, I, I understand that people think that, but you got to realize that at a lot of these retail stores, you're almost always buying something for more money than they paid for it unless they have to make a clearance it or something or they're doing like a close a closing sale like they're going to close and close up shop because they went bankrupt like almost everything you buy is at a as at a profit for the person you're buying it from that's that's how buying works right nobody's going to sell something for the fun of selling it that's that's stupid so um 
I I got this message back and I just kind of shook my head. It's like six o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with this guy. And he's like, how do I send a return? So I forgot to respond to him, but he ended up contacting me after and filed a return. He said, hey, there's nothing wrong with the seller, which was pretty nice of him to say. I was happy with that because if he leaves me a negative feedback, I'll just say, hey, look, this guy said he was fine and I gave him a return. It was free. I don't know what else you want me to do. Um, so I won't, I have no chance of getting a negative feedback, but he said, I still don't feel comfortable knowing that he paid more than I paid for the shoes. I don't understand what people think happens on eBay or, or buying in general. Maybe they think that just Walmart grows all the vegetables in the, in the grocery aisle. And maybe they think that they manufacture all of the like things that are great value brand. Maybe they, maybe they think that's what happens. Uh, those of us who do any reselling, we realize that that's not the case. They just buy it and private label it. But you know, this, this guy, or they buy it from like local grocers or, uh, from a whole like wholesale grocers, if they're doing the grocery stuff or video games, maybe that guy thinks that Walmart makes the video games. I don't know what he thinks, but clearly he doesn't, he either doesn't care if Walmart overcharges him for something, or he is very offended that he has ever been charged more than something than something has been bought for. So I don't know. Something was wrong with this guy. I, that's kind of my personal thoughts. But either way, um, you know, you're going to run into this sometimes. So it, the whole point of this story is one to kind of key you in to say, if you screw something up like this, like it's not the end of the world. Okay. I was super upset for like two minutes. And then I like looked at how much profit I made on the cleats. It was a double up. Okay. I made $20 on the things like $20 isn't going to kill me. I'll be able to sell the cleats break even. It's not going to be a big deal that I took a free return. Like, and so many people are like, don't give that guy a return. I'm like, well, that's not going to help me. Like this guy's going to leave me a negative feedback if I don't take a return and eBay's not going to do anything about it. And I'm going to lose sales. So that's not a correct way for me to approach this. Um, and so I'm not really, I'm not keen on doing that just because I lose sales that way, whether people like it or not, that I do, I lose sales when I have negative feedback. So I was going to do that, but um, you know, it was just, it was like, okay, you know, whatever it was, it was something stupid. I lost 20 bucks. Um, I'm going to get the shoes back. I'm going to flip them. I'm going to break even. And it's not a big deal. So I'm not that concerned about it, but it is something to keep in mind moving forward. Uh, I always remove the retail tags from stuff, but if you don't remove retail tags from stuff, you may want to start because people don't like feeling like they've been gypped. People don't like feeling like they have been overcharged for something. I don't, I don't know. Like maybe people go on eBay and think that that's the going price for the item in Walmart and they're just too lazy to look. But if you're buying retail arbitrage or Goodwill for that matter, especially like stuff like that, and you're going to be flipping it for a lot more money, you definitely want to remove those price tags. You do not want to be caught in the act sending a $3 or a $6 clock to a buyer that you sold for $250 and that buyer gets it and realizes that it, you, it costs you $6 at a thrift store. You do not want that because they will be pissed. And that's never happened to me, but that is an example of something I've sold that was a very high profit item from a thrift store. And so you want to make sure that you do not end up in a position like that because if you do and you lose out on a sale or a buyer gets mad and they, they kind of screw you and break the item and send it back or something, that's going to be a huge loss. So it's not right. It's not really a smart way of thinking about things for the buyer on their perspective to return something like, what's that guy going to do? I have the cheapest price on eBay on those cleats. He's not going to be able to get that size of cleat for, um, for less than I'm charging. So what's he going to do? Go pay more. He's not going to go pay less on the internet anywhere else. So like that's buyers aren't really that smart. They're very emotional. And that's something that you have to keep in mind. 
Well, that that's not true, but they get they act more emotionally than they do um, rationally, and we do that too. I mean, every human does that. So you have to keep in mind that if a buyer feels like they're going to be upset, um, or they are that, that they are getting gypped, and you feel like you may upset a buyer, do everything in your power to avoid that because you do not want to get a return on a high profit item or on any item that for that matter because somebody saw that you paid less than they paid for it, right? That's what we do. A lot of people don't agree with that. I, I don't know what, what kind of their thought process is. I don't know how they think businesses and things make money. But regardless, people some people do not agree with that. And a lot of buyers do not agree with getting charged more than you paid for something. So just keep that in mind. It's a little bit backwards sounding, but it is important because you do not want to be kind of hosed or caught dead in the water with a with a sale that's good margins for you and a good price for the buyer but the buyer feels like they were gypped because they see that you paid significantly less for the item doesn't matter what the going rate is they don't care about that they just want to feel like they're being catered to and and it's something that us as sellers we have to be aware of that because when you walk into a store you want to feel like that store cares about you regardless of if you actually care if they care about you or not you want to feel that way it's nice to be uh, appreciated. It's nice to be cared about. So when you walk into a Ross or Burlington's, uh, they greet you, they say hi, and that's to make you feel welcome. They do little things for you sometimes. Some stores will uh, have somebody come up to you and say, hey, is there any way I can help you today? If not, I'll get out of your way, but just want to make sure that you're not uh, looking for something. You know, They do that to make you feel comfortable, to make you feel like you're being uh, helped, catered to in the store. That creates uh, a little bit of a positive experience for the buyer. They come back, they have a positive experience. So that's something that applies to online as well. It's a lot more difficult because you can't be in person to actually have that face-to-face conversation with somebody. But regardless, you have to do what you can online because it's very, very key to keeping buyers happy, getting repeat buyers, getting um, you know positive feedbacks and stuff, and, and preventing the number one thing, preventing a negative feedback. I mean, if there's nothing else, do not get a negative feedback. It's not very, very helpful to an eBay business. So um, you know, with that being said, I'm going to go. Let me know what you think, though. If you have any thoughts on that, or you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram um, at Match Lava. It's a, it's a thing that I think about a lot. Um, you know, trying to help people, and I do put out like once, twice a week, a little thing on my Instagram story where if you have a question about reselling or something related to that or or whatever, just hit me up and I'll try and answer it as best I can. But you know, if you have a question that you just want to DM me, hit me up on there and I'll get back to you. Uh, the first chance I get. So with that being said, I'm going to go. But you guys have a good rest of your Thursday. I'll get back with you tomorrow on Friday. We have a few big sneaker releases coming out tomorrow. Be excited. Be prepared. The La Familia Jordan 1 mids and the Slam Jam Nike Dunks are coming out. So just get pumped for those because it's going to be a good day. And then Mocha's on Saturday. Just awesome way to end the weekend. Uh, you know, it's going to be a really, really fun weekend and I'm excited to see how those go. I'm not really expecting the world, but I'm expecting to hopefully get a pair of mochas. So we'll have to see. But with that being said, I'm going to go. So you guys have a good rest of your day and I'll talk to you tomorrow with another podcast. Peace.